All right, you want to start? Yeah. Do do do. Yay. Yay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. So I did something kind of dumb on my Instagram story over the weekend. What'd you do? I posted a picture uh, that I was shopping for wedding dresses. <laughs> yes, you did. And what happened, Haley? Um, a lot of people asked me if I was getting married, and I thought that it was blatantly obvious that I was a very single girly. <laughs> I thought that people knew, but I forget, you know, you just sometimes you're not really keeping up with people, and all of a sudden you see them shopping for a wedding dress. Of course, you would assume. You know, I was very vague. I didn't say anything about it. And sometimes people are super private and then suddenly, boom, they're engaged. Very true. Or boom, they're married. I'm like, I didn't even know that you knew another man, let alone (laughs) you were going to get married to one. Yeah. No, so I'm not getting married. It's my brother's getting married to a very wonderful girl named Amanda. Mandy. She listens to the pod. Hi, Mandy. Can I tell you, whenever you talk about Mandy, I always forget that Chase is your brother and Mandy is not your sister yet because I feel like (laughs) Mandy is already your sister. Oh, for sure. She's definitely one of my best friends. They started dating before. So like, it's not like he dated my best friend. It was like Chase introduced me to my brother Chase introduced me to Mandy, who is now one of my best friends who she already feels like my sister. She's felt like my sister for years. I love that. So she's getting married. You are not getting married. Yeah, she is getting married. And I had to post an addendum afterwards and be like, girlies, I'm still single. No worries. Still looking for my Logan Huntsberger. Which is literally everyone responded to that one saying, oh my God, I thought you had found your Logan Huntsberger. <laughs> Soon. One can only hope that truly next time I post that I'm shopping for a wedding dress, it's so um, my very own Logan Huntsberger has come into my life. And until that moment, um, the girly single on the hunt for the Huntsberger. <laughs> hunt for Huntsberger. That's going to be your campaign slogan. Until then, we'll just talk about him. Yeah, but that would be really cute. You know, it'd be a little alliteration, Haley Huntsberger. That honestly would be a great last name. Don't think I didn't think about it (laughs) every day of my teens. So on Friday, we released our first episode, or I guess our second episode of our Gilmore Revisited Recap Rewatch on our Patreon. Yes, we're coming to you live from the past at this point. We will have posted our second episode. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, we released our first and second Patreon episodes back to back, usually for the life and death besties, which is one of our tiers on Patreon. We will have an episode every month, but we gave a bonus episode because we talk way too fucking much. We talked for forever, like literally five hours to talk about the pilot. So we split it into two episodes. And the first one is what we called season zero, episode zero, because we talk about the unaired pilot and how there were changes made between what we ended up seeing and what they originally recorded in Canada. So we split that in half and made the first episode available to all tiers. And then from this point forward, all of the Gilmore Revisited episodes will be available to the Life and Death Besties. What a name. So you can join the 6am crowd and get episode previews for this pod, um, as well as just support us in our coffee addiction so that we can continue doing the talking and the sentence putting together. Or you can join the Life and Death Besties and join our close friends. You can join our Gilmore community page. And of course, listen to Gilmore to Say Gilmore Revisited, where we will recap the show in a very spoilerful manner. Absolutely. That's why we never wanted to do a recap podcast was because we knew that we couldn't do without spoilers. And then we said, well, we make the rules. So we're just going to do a recap episode (laughs) that's completely filled with spoilers. And that's one of the reasons it's on Patreon is because I would hate for someone to come across this wherever they're listening to this podcast now and be like, oh, a Gilmore Girls rewatch. And on that one, we literally start talking about the revival about 10 minutes into the pilot episode. So oops, oops. (laughs) 
Speaking of the revival, we left last week's episode sort of posing the question of how we both felt about the revival because we talked about the last four words, right? Those infamous final four words. We talked about them for a long time. Yes, we sure did. We had a lot to say. And now we have even more to say on the revival because we only really got into the last two minutes, minute of the show, of the revival. And now we sort of want to talk about it as a whole. And you posed a lot of really fantastic prompts on our Instagram stories a couple days ago for our listeners and followers to sort of submit and share their thoughts. That's really generous to say that was fantastic, Tara. Thank you. It was. It was great. It was very well received. I thought you asked really great questions and people responded really well to them. We had some super high engagement. We had a lot of people comment. and There were so many answers to this. I'm so excited excited I only breezed through them I know that you gave them a little bit of a deeper dive but yeah I'm really excited to talk about this in a more general way because like we said we have a Patreon where we are doing Gilmore Revisited and revisiting all of the episodes on Gilmore Girls and that does include the revival and the four seasons from now (laughs) yeah so in two years we will be deep diving into the revival and today's episode is going to be a little bit more general it's going to be a little bit more I'm actually really curious to hear your thoughts because we've not really talked about our thoughts on the revival in a more specific capacity we've sort of thrown some thoughts around but nothing that feels like we've done a deep dive into it and I'm curious to hear do you how do you remember when you saw it for the first time and how you felt yes and no okay because I was trying to remember where I was or what was going on in my life when I heard that there was going to be a Gilmore Girls revival, but I feel like 2016 for me is like a memory black hole for some reason because I have like the memory of an elephant. Like I can remember what I was wearing five years ago when I had lunch with someone. Like, Another thing that you and I yeah. have in common. People look at me like I'm insane most days. They're like, how do you yeah. remember those things? Yeah, like my best friend, I remember his life more clearly than he does. So he'll call me sometimes and be like, what, what was going on when this happened in my life? And I was like, well, you were wearing a maroon shirt and gray pants. My <laughs> friends do that too. And for some reason, I usually remember it's spooky. And so that's what's so weird is I don't remember what was going on when I heard there was a Gilmore Girls revival. I don't remember what I thought about it. I don't remember if I was, I mean, I had to have been excited, right? I mean, it was exciting. My favorite TV show was coming back and this came out after Thanksgiving. So this came out on Black Friday and I remember being so scared to watch it. I don't know why. And I had come home to Georgia because this was when I was living in New York and it I had I had mono at the time as I told you before so I was like in a lot of uh I was I was really struggling at the time yeah (laughs) and I remember not wanting to watch it I remember so clearly just like for some reason because my sister was like oh the Gilmore Girls revival came out I was like yeah I just I don't know I was so nervous to watch it like what was gonna happen how was I gonna feel about it like I felt like I was gonna get really emotional and be really overwhelmed So I actually didn't watch it the day that it came out. I waited until Sunday until I had gotten back to my apartment in New York. And I like I asked my roommates, I was like, did you guys like it? And they're like, yeah, I was like, don't say anything else. Just shut your fucking mouths. I just wanted to hear a yes or no. Great. I'm going to go in my room now. I like closed the door, put my cozies on, got my iPad mini and like watched it like two inches from my face for like six hours straight. (laughs) Wow just crying I just remember the whole time like from the time that like Lorelai started talking I was crying probably until I saw Logan Huntsberger and then I just continued to cry (laughs) I will never not cry when the revival starts it's so overwhelming every single time and and to be fair I don't watch the revival very often admittedly oh yeah but when 
winter starts it's the like ghost voices like the to- the talking of like all of the quotes and stuff from the series coming through that oh that really gets me it gets me but it doesn't get me nearly as much as when the lalas kick in and we're back yeah. in stars hollow it felt like coming home and like the lalas start you see the town everybody starts passing through one another yeah. and the camera and zooms yeah. in and it reveals her and i'm like getting emotional thinking about it and I wonder sometimes if that was the first scene that was shot between Lauren and Alexis. Oh, I wonder. I don't know if it was the first scene that was shot in the revival in general, but Alexis rolls up, she sits down, they have this banter, which I will say doesn't feel very natural. And that's why I wonder if it was the first scene between the two of them, because it doesn't feel organic. It feels very forced. But what saves it is that Lauren goes, haven't done that in a while. And Alexis goes, feels good. And then they hug and Lorelai just very choked up. And you can tell that it's like very authentic Yeah, from Lauren. She's like, I missed you, kid. And it's just like, oh, it gets me. I I will never forget just sobbing while I watch that. There's part of me that when we're talking about getting so emotional about this, like throughout my life, like I, I didn't tell anyone that I was really interested in Gilmore Girls for a really long time up until like I started my TikTok. I kind of like anytime it got brought up, I just was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that show before because I was like, I'm so obsessed with it that I was like fearful. <laughs> so like I still have that instinct of like right now being like, oh, yep, started crying. Um, <laughs> no, you cry. don't have to hide your emotions here. <laughs> but that's like all of the people who are listening to this like feel like the same way that I did they had that like really emotional response to it like whether or not you you know watched the series after the revival came out and didn't have that like stretch of time but I feel like the core people here who like our besties who waited that long with us to watch that have a similar story where like either like with me where I was like sobbing in my bed silently by myself or like what you said before you had a little party I did have a party, yes. So I actually was working on a show at the time and Cats. <laughs> I was working at Cats and we were in the uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so I had been up since like three o'clock in the morning and I went home to see my family for Thanksgiving. We didn't have a show that night, but I knew that it was coming out Black Friday. Yeah. And I didn't really know at the time how Netflix operated when it came to dropping their own series. I was, a, I was under the impression it was going to drop at midnight. Yeah. My tired ass stayed up all night in my parents' living room. I was wearing a shirt that said like Lorelai and Rory and Paris and Lane and Emily. That very dates it to 2016. So 2016, (laughs) yes. And so I remember just sitting up, getting ready to watch it. Midnight hits. It doesn't drop. And I was like, oh, no. What do I do now? It's usually like 3 a.m. Yeah, like 3 or 4 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I was like, I have to, I have to go to bed because we had two shows the next day, two shows the day after that. And then we had one show that Sunday. And so what I decided to do was like you said, I threw a party. I had all my friends there. I had gotten photo booth props, like, Uh, like stars, hollow theme, uh, photo booth props. I had like Miss Patty's Founders Day punch. I had red, white and black movie theater, popcorn, pop tarts, like by that time. So that was Sunday night. Also, it does not shock me. We watched the entire series revival at the same time yeah oh my gosh I didn't even think about that yeah we were like in the same city yeah like probably like where were you living at the time I was living in Washington Heights I was living in Hamilton Heights so like we were like literally where were you living 146th street 
I was on 160th Street. I was 14 blocks north of you. That is so crazy. You were 14 blocks north of me throwing a party. I didn't have anyone that I knew that liked Gilmore Girls. And literally you were there 14 blocks watching the show at the same exact time that I was. Yep. Tara, I'm going to cry. <laughs> That's so I don't so live poetic. there anymore, so I'm fine to, to say what street I lived on. Of course. But, oh I don't God. live there anymore either. I mean, I live in oh New York. Gosh. I just don't live in that apartment. That's beautiful. How crazy. That is really poetic. I love that I for probably us. wouldn't have come even if we did know each other because I was I would have been embarrassed by the amount of which I cried. Oh, I fully understand. Because to be yeah. fair, I had watched the winter episode by myself, cried, and then waited very patiently until my friends got there and we just watched it all over again. But we didn't watch all four. They probably left after spring. And then I watched the rest of it by myself. But we had such a good time. It was really good to be in the company of people who love the show. You know, to speak to how you felt when you heard that there was a Gilmore Girls revival and not really knowing how, like, not really knowing where you stood. I felt very similarly. Like, I was excited. I was excited to come home. I loved the concept of the revival. Like we spoke to in the last episode, we were just happy that, like, Amy was going to get to see the show out on her terms. Like, that to me was the exciting part. And again, the nostalgia of it all. We love to watch this show. So like, yeah. let's watch, let's watch some new content. I've been yeah. watching seven seasons for the last <laughs> 16 years. Let me watch something new. I will say to that, I think that that was a big degree of why I was really nervous is because I just completely disregarded season seven after a certain point. Like I'd watch it. I watch it a lot actually because of Logan and we know how I felt about Logan and I left the end of season seven genuinely so upset because like, at the time I was reading spoilers online about what was going to happen. So I would usually know what was going to happen in that episode the week beforehand. So I, when I found out that Logan proposes to Rory, spoiler alert, at the end of season seven, I found that out before it happened. And I was like, some of them were wrong. I will say like some of the spoilers that we got. So I was like, oh, this one's a wrong one. This is a wrong spoiler. And then it happened. And I was like, okay, well, we still have one episode. No worries. No worries. And I read the spoilers that Logan wasn't going to be in the episode. And I was like, oh, it's another wrong one. They couldn't just, they won't just end the series and not have him in it. And then they did. So I literally sat there the whole episode knowing what was about to happen, but not knowing because there was no way to like and I was so upset and I spent that time from 2007 until 2016 upset about Logan's storyline wow you spent nine years really harboring (laughs) a lot of that yeah so like when they actually came up I was like so nervous what the story was going to be about was were all these like unresolved things that I felt about the show going to come to fruition or like were we going to get the closure that we wanted like I love this place I love being here like you said it's home what's going to be the state of my home when I get there how I'm going to feel the end and for me I'm I'll tell you something I hadn't seen the end of Gilmore Girls until Netflix Oh, so you didn't watch it on the CW? I did not. The way that I got into the show was, I think I talked about this a few episodes ago. I had watched it on ABC Family, which is why mm, I was yeah. such a seasons one through three girly. This is something that we have in common where we hadn't seen the series all the way through until well after the series had ended. Yes. Yes. Because like I started watching it on the WB, but also watching it on ABC Family and like trying to keep up with that, but also watching yeah. the box sets. So it wasn't until well after 2007 that I stopped and watched all the way through and was like, ah, this plot really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of holes were filled. <laughs> but at any rate, I didn't necessarily feel as tethered to getting that closure from that specific situation because I was not Team Logan. I thought that they had wrapped the, the series up really nicely. 
I do think a major difference between when the series ended in 2007 and then the revival happening in 2016 up until now, I don't want to speak for you. I can speak for myself. I hadn't really gotten too far into being a writer yet. I had written my first pilot. It was a collaboration with my friend M, but I hadn't really like looked at Gilmore Girls yet from a story perspective. It was my comfort food. It still is, but we're clearly, we're like elbow deep in really (laughs) breaking this entire series down from a story perspective. Yeah. I hadn't gotten there yet. So when I was watching the revival, I wasn't thinking about anything other than just feeling like I was coming home. Yeah. I That's true of me. Cause like when I was in college, like when we had to like break down scripts and things, cause I studied entertainment media studies, I remember an assignment where we had to like break down a TV pilot and I was like, Oh, I'm of course I'm gonna do Gilmore Girls. And I really like, I really tried to do it. And I found that like, this is like so dramatic. It was too emotional for me to look at this show from a critical perspective, like in a class. And I don't know why, because I stopped and I picked the Mindy Project instead, because I was just like, I couldn't do it. I love that show. Love the Mindy Project. Love Mindy Kaling. Same. It was just something about it that I, I like, I can't quite put to words, which sounds crazy now because literally all I do on the internet, what I'm known for is just like breaking down Gilmore Girls and like this podcast. And it seems like I've been thinking about it this way for a long time, but it was, it took me a while to like be able to think of this show critically because this show is so tied to who I was as a teenager. Like there's really, it's really hard for me to separate a lot of the storylines that were happening in Gilmore Girls from the storylines of my own life. And so it took me like- I think it took me like it was a couple of years before the revival then that I was looking at the series from a really critical perspective and not just like which scenes has Logan in them. (laughs) Yeah. So when we got to the revival, because I think if we got a new revival now, I think instantly I would be a feeling what was going on, but B, I would be so critical the whole time. Same. Because that's just how I've started watching Gilmore Girls now. Yeah, me too. I didn't start looking at this with a critical eye until I started doing my TikToks last year. Because this is a show that, like you said, is very tethered to the inner workings of how we grew up and what we consumed. And that's why looking at it with a fresh perspective now to talk about it on a podcast where we're really breaking down the story and breaking apart the story is a very, very different watch for me. When you watched it this time to sort of like catch up on what we were going to talk about here, did you find yourself, because I know that I did, because the first time I watched it, really liked it. Like just really? because like I was very emotional. It was like more of like I like, like you the liked coming home to me. Yeah, I yeah. felt the same way. But to be honest with you, I had mixed feelings. I didn't love it. Because and then the subsequent watches, to be fair, I've only watched it once or twice after that. I was like, I don't really like this. That's so interesting because I'm actually the opposite. And then when <laughs> I got to like when I was rewatching it before we recorded this, I liked it a lot more. Yep. I don't know what it is about watching it. From sort of the mind's eye of like, if I was sitting in this chair and had to write this series, knowing what I know about Amy, knowing what I know about like the writers that she assembled and the world that she's built, how would I have done it differently? There are a lot of things I would have done differently, but overall, I I really do think that they did a fine job for 2016 for what they ended up executing. I thought that they built a world that felt very believable to be Stars Hollow in 2016. That's interesting because I I feel really differently. Really? I felt like this was a caricature of Gilmore Girls. I don't disagree with you on that. It was very amped up. 
it felt like a lot like you were saying when we first get there and that like dialogue of like them bantering back and forth in that first scene felt so forced because mm-hmm. like one of like the I feel like the jokes of the revival is like just like things have changed there's iced coffee now like it just felt like it was um I don't know it just didn't feel like Lorelai it didn't feel like the words that she was saying was coming from Lorelai Gilmore it felt like the words that she was saying were coming from a script being said by Lauren Graham I agree with that and it's just like I felt that throughout that like it just felt like a lot of the situations that they found themselves in it was like uh, are we making fun of Gilmore Girls or are we watching it to some degree that's a really interesting question to pose because it was a show that made you feel like you wanted to live in this town mm-hmm. and every time you turned on the TV to watch it you escaped into this reality that felt very very believable and I'm from Connecticut like yeah. that is a uh, my town is not like that but that is a very believable small Connecticut town this did feel very like cartoony it felt very amped up and that wasn't necessarily what we had for seven seasons there was a answer to one of the questions we posed on our Instagram where someone said it felt like coming home but the vibes were off and I just was like that's exactly what it was it's like you come home and you're like did you did you paint the walls or did you move the furniture like what's going on here like a new couch yeah yeah like you can't quite pinpoint what it is I mean we can totally pinpoint what it is but like you come home and you're like bad vibes but you're at home so like I don't know that it was necessarily bad vibes just different vibes vibes were off you're totally right I think that they established the quirkiness of the town in they took it a little too far sometimes but I for sure there's there's parts of it that I was like oh they're walking down the street yes exactly (laughs) Like when they pull up, or I guess they don't pull up, when the camera comes and it's that blue house, that fucking blue house. Like I live in a pink house. Like I grew up in a pink house. So like I just really feel like I was raised in a pink house and a blue house and it was decorated for Christmas and there was snow outside. I just remember that was the moment where I literally, I remember pausing at that moment and staring at that house and just tears because it's like that was, that's home. Of course. You know, yeah. we were raised there. We totally were. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category, including beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, and more. And as you all know, I love shopping through the Rakuten app. Every time I shop online, I always start there to see what the cashback deals are. It's incredibly user-friendly, membership is free, and it's easy to sign up. The best part is you can maximize your savings by stacking cashback on top of other deals because the app lets you know what the store sales and coupons are at your favorite places to shop. Speaking of favorite places to shop, I love shopping Anthropology's post-holiday sale where they put their clearance on clearance. This year, not only did I get savings on top of savings, but I also got cash back by shopping their sale through Rakuten. Cashback rates are changing daily, so make sure that you check their site or your app to snag the best deals. Start all of your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app like me to start your saving today. Your cashback really adds up. Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 
15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. So let's get into it. I feel like when we start, and actually the entire era of this revival, it felt like, and I know a lot of people have spoken to this. You've even spoken to this. Like everybody had been frozen in time since like season seven or season six, specifically Paul Inc. and the dog. Not for nothing. He is still alive. (laughs) No, that's the same dog. (laughs) I know. Uh, How? He He must have been a baby. I mean, listen, I'm thrilled because I love a puppy. Well, if you think about it, if he was like even like two years old when... You're she right. He'd be eleven. Six. He'd be eleven. Yeah. You're right. So eleven like, or he's twelve. Old, but like, I just felt like they definitely didn't disregard all of season seven. But I just wonder why they chose to do that. Why they chose to sort of keep everybody where they were. What's interesting about you saying that is they they don't bring up any of happenings from season seven except for like when Lorelai's in therapy and she was like, "I was married briefly." to to Rory's father and it's just like it just feels so unnatural you're like yeah you did get married to Christopher but you know what's interesting about that scene and I wrote this down because I looked at that scene a little differently than I ever had before because of all of the episodes in the revival spring is the one that I watched the least it is so boring to me just a general blanket statement I really think they could have melded winter and spring together story-wise winter could have ended with Rory moving home and spring could have started with her going on this adventure of like maybe being the editor of the stars hollow gazette like sort of exploring what it's like to be home I would have much rather seen that happen sooner and I just felt like spring was filled to the brim with a lot of uh it just felt like too much story and nothing at all like nothing was really being said in spring yeah but what I loved about this is that it's sort of a parallel to partings when Lorelai ends up in the car with Jan from the office and she has that therapy session the better therapy session is the one with Jan for sure this is sort of a turning point for her where she starts to recognize that she's not happy She's still not happy. And something that she says was, it just ended because it shouldn't have happened. That felt like an Amy note. Yes, that's what I wrote down. It felt like a commentary on season seven. She was talking about her marriage to Chris, but she said, it just ended because it shouldn't have happened. And I was like, ooh. And that honestly is really the only acknowledgement of season seven that we get, which I understand there are a lot of probably bitter feelings that Amy had and also it wasn't her story. But the reality is it happened. It's sort of like when we jokingly say that we like don't want to acknowledge season seven. We don't, but it still happened. Like we have to acknowledge the fact that it happened. So because it's like we can cherry pick our own stories and like what we want to, you know, be our, as I call like a self-care finale. Like my last four words are I have to go from Logan when he leaves and goes to London so I can do that because you know I'm a fan of the show but I feel like as a writer of the show they're like maybe needed to be a little bit more acknowledgement of the story world that has been built regardless if you did the building or not of course I also find it interesting the characters that were involved in the revival and the characters that were not involved in the revival yeah 
you know, one of the general things that I wrote down that doesn't really fall into the likes or dislikes category, I guess maybe if it had to, would fall into my dislikes category. I want to know the real tea on why Melissa McCarthy was not there for all yeah, the ones. because it was like, I think via a tweet. Oh, it got spicy. She wasn't invited. Oh, it got spicy. And then she talked about it on the Ellen show. I have to tell you, I remember when Melissa McCarthy tweeted that because there was no mention of her making a return. There have been all these articles that broke out saying yeah. she wasn't coming back. And I was like, how do you do Gilmore Girls without Suki? You literally can't. And then I will never forget thinking to myself, they're going to find a way to get her on. They're going to find a way. I remember, I remember Amy saying something along the lines of she was a big movie star at the time and either they didn't ask her representation or they had and she wasn't available or like there was this, there was this feeling of like, she's such a big movie star now, like maybe she couldn't do Gilmore Girls, but I don't remember what it was. But it just felt like a bold assumption. The way that Melissa McCarthy framed it was that they didn't even ask her. They just assumed she wasn't available. And it sounds like she would have made the time and then went on to. I will never forget on the Ellen show when she announced she was doing it. I felt like a prophet. I was like, I knew it. I knew they were going to find a way to get her in there. (laughs) Yeah, you had to. I really do wonder if they could have found a way to get her into more scenes or just better scenes. Like the scene between the two of them where she's making the cakes, I think is very special because she always makes the cakes for Lorelai events but why wasn't she at the wedding like I know it was probably a scheduling thing but it's just like story-wise I was so disappointed in how they utilized her it was so upsetting it felt really thin yeah like it just it was kind of like well she's not here we gotta explain why I feel like there's moments like again like we said it's a scheduling thing like she could only really be in that one scene with Lauren Graham but I feel like you make it work for Melissa McCarthy not just because she now is a big name since the show has ended she was such a huge part of this show yeah so that was really disappointing to me and I don't know what happened behind the scenes but one day I hope to get the tea I know there's so many things I want the tea on from this show same (laughs) but let's get into our likes like what we liked I mean that that I guess fell into the category of things that I was a little disappointed I have a general music oh please Please tell me the general musing. I don't think it's either a like or a dislike, but obviously fearing more on the dislikes is something that I think we've talked about off pod, where I think that the revival was just recycled from material from season six, like from each and every storyline. These are all things that we had seen before because we have Luke and Lorelai. What are they feuding about? Kids and marriage. Rory, what's going on? She is floundering and doesn't really know what to do and is just sitting in her privilege acting like she is broke. The real Paul Anka. He appears in season six and he appears in the revival in a dream. Like what? Why did we reuse that? It just felt that just felt like so. And Lorelai is literally telling Rory about her dream with the real Palenka. It's the same exact thing. It's the same situation. It's the same joke. Like, that just felt really weird. It's like, and who's the one that helps her redirect after she's been lost? But Jess Mariano, they had a riff. They had a little riff between them. Got a hug reunion. I don't think it's either like a like or a dislike. It's just like, we saw this. Going back to what you said about Lorelai and Luke, there's that moment at the end of winter where she tells him that she told Paris they were tabling the idea of surrogacy. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, no, we're not doing it. And it felt so reminiscent of season six where they were postponing their wedding. And it was almost yeah. like, okay, well, Luke says we're not doing it, so we're not doing it. And Lorelai is clearly disappointed, but she just does it anyway. She goes, okay, I texted her. It's done. It's canceled. Like she canceled, she had to cancel all the June 3rd things. Yeah. And it kind of feels like the wild, like her leaving and going to figure things out is like the moment when season six ends and she goes to sleep with Christopher. Whereas instead of going to sleep with Christopher, she goes to California and runs into Peter Krause. Runs into her partner (laughs) and then her husband from um, parenthood. So it's like season six is just 
what happens in the revival, but they like scramble it up. Well, they just sort of drop it in in various places. But I feel like it was kind of Amy's way. I don't know about anything else except for this. But when it comes to Lorelai sort of being like, I gotta go. I'm not happy. And I gotta go figure myself out. It gives Luke an opportunity for like a do over, right? Kind of the same way that he may have had one in season seven, had Amy been there to rewrite everything. And they ultimately get back together. But I just mean that like Luke doesn't necessarily chase after her. But when she comes home, he's like, I love you. And very similarly to how he packs up the truck and like shows up at her house. But this time it works. Yeah. And it does make me wonder as like if all of these storylines, like would we, would season seven have just been like a repeat of season six? And not to mention like we got another storyline of Rory sleeping with another woman's man like my dean she probably feels like that's my logan like so there's just a lot of it that feels like i wanted something new i know that everything comes full circle and everything's just always the same but i felt like we got that with emily and lorelei's storyline and that was like the good anchor to like things with the gilmores are always going to be the same it's always going to be revolving around Mm -hmm. this but i felt like it opened up a new opportunity for other ways of conflict to appear between these characters Because, like, something that we talked about, why has 10 years passed and Lorelai and Luke haven't talked about kids, haven't really talked about getting married? Like, you're telling me in the past 10 years that they haven't gone to Friday night dinner or dinner at Emily's house? She hasn't made a snide remark about the fact that they're not married and then it led to a conversation in the car. We know that they hate to talk in the car. Apparently, That's when they're, that's their silent time. (laughs) And it's interesting because she makes a comment while they're at the diner and they're like putting things away about like, we haven't had a conversation about kids since like the Twickham house. And I was like, yeah, it's been that long, but that also goes to show that it's sort of every, like everything between 2007 and 2016 was frozen in time. You have to expect that their problems are going to move with them as well instead of their problems being frozen in time. The thing that I was excited about, about when like getting back into the show is we met this girl when she was 16 and her mom when she was 32 and we left them when they were seven years older. We were getting to meet these new people nine years later. I'm not the same person I was when I was 22. And I think that that was kind of a disappointment was I wanted to meet a new conflict that you were now having nine years later And it didn't really feel like they aged their conflicts with them. And I think that's also some of the problems with these reboots that happen is that it's almost like the writers act like these characters have been frozen in time and that they are the same exact people. And you're right. Yeah. People grow, evolve, change. It doesn't mean that they have to be completely different people. People are who they are at their core. But like, I would have loved to see some new conflict as well. There are some parallels that I found that were a little, that were definitely not necessarily season six parallels but I would love to share them with you. Yeah. I don't love the scene, but I do love that their first Friday night dinner back ends with a fight between Emily and Lorelai in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's a flashback scene, but like it's still one of the first things that we see being revisited in the same way that in the pilot, they have a fight in the kitchen and it's very catastrophic and a big turning point. When Lorelai recommends therapy to Emily, Mm -hmm. it kind of feels very reminiscent to when she was like talking about Richard when he was going through a tough time at his job in season two. And she's like, maybe he should talk to someone. And Emily is like, what are you talking about? Absolutely not. And so it just feels (laughs) parallel, but also Emily ends up going. And I think that's kind of cool that like, yeah, 
it changes things a little bit. Um, and then uh, when they're walking towards the line in spring, mm-hmm. Lorelai and Rory in New York, Lorelai is like, it's early. And she's like, okay, walk with your eyes closed. Like Rory's the one holding her up. And it's very reminiscent of they shoot Gilmore's Don't Day at dance the dance marathon. marathon. Yeah. And then Lorelai's like, I'm going to find coffee. And so it just, it felt very, like those were the moments that I felt okay with being like a callback yeah. to the original series because like that feels very on brand for who they are at their core. Oh, I love that. That and that's why you want to watch it is because you want to feel you want to feel that relationship and that connection. Another parallel that has something to do with one of the Gilmore Girls and not necessarily a main character that we see throughout the series, but that I felt was I suppose a full circle moment. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. When I first watched the revival, when I first watched the winter scene, I also want to say before I start this, I felt like they handled Richard's death really tastefully it was heartbreaking but I felt like they handled it really well but at the funeral I thought seeing Jason Stiles at the funeral when I first watched the revival I thought it was so massively unnecessary I thought it was pandering to like oh we're just gonna throw as many people in here from the show as we can and I do feel that way as the revival continues and I'll get into that a little more later but can I tell you when I first saw that I was like who is that (laughs) (laughs) and then she says his name and I was like Oh, oh, old now. Okay. <laughs> People age, yes. <laughs> it just took me a second to be like, who's this man coming to talk to Lorelai? But I thought it was an interesting full circle moment because for two reasons. In season four, episode 16, The Reigning Lorelai, Jason says that he doesn't do funerals because when he was 10, his family had a string of deaths and he had to keep going to all these funerals and it freaked him out. So he wouldn't go to Richard's mother's funeral. Oh, right. Yeah. And I think it's really heartwarming that he ends up coming to Richard's funeral to pay his respects even though he has already said that he hates funerals and him and Richard left on a really bad note ugly note and he and Lorelai ended on kind of no note like she breaks up with him in the coffee shop which we talked about a couple episodes ago and then he shows up at the dragonfly in on the opening of it or the test run of it goes to the bathroom and we never see him again we never get to see the end of that relationship but that's the thing is that we finally get to see this character kind of come back I almost felt like he was carrying a torch for her a little bit did you get that vibe when he's like are you happy he's not wearing a wedding ring maybe kind of maybe just like that sentiment of like you see someone you haven't seen in a long time they meant a lot to you and it's like are you happy like you know they had sex a ton so like maybe they can skip the pleasantries and just get straight to like i meant they had sex a ton in the sense of like they're very familiar of with course, each other i, I knew maybe what they you can meant. just cut the bullshit yeah it just <laughs> felt like a, i needed to fully explain it that. felt like a very interesting meeting between the two of them yeah. I wonder if they had seen each other in the interim sounds like they had they didn't say I was sad that Amy couldn't find a place to fit in Max Medina because he just didn't fit into the story well speaking of characters that we miss yeah on this because Jason Styles was one that to be honest I'd forgotten about and I wasn't expecting to see yeah Max Medina <laughs> high on is list. one that yeah. I was actually hoping to see when she goes back to Chilton with Paris I wanted to see Madeline and Louise I wanted to see Brad Langford Max Medina and I wanted to see real Tristan if you were gonna put Tristan in there you gave us Jason Stiles. you gave us Robert from the life and death brigade but you could not yeah. book Chad Michael Murray I talked about this on my TikTok because I was like first of all what's he even doing there he didn't graduate from there everyone roasted me because apparently like an alum of 
your educational institution regardless of if you graduate but I just don't I don't feel like he deserved that he left and went to military school and now he's coming back to this alumni event I don't feel like his parents would want to continue to give money to Chilton because yeah it just felt weird like why is he there I completely agree and I felt like they could have made it more of an alumni event bring us back Madeline and Louise and Brad Langford. I don't know this for sure but I know that, I don't know if it's Madeline or Louise, but one of them isn't acting anymore. I remember someone t- saying that this was like explained like at like a fan fest that she married very rich and is not in acting anymore, which why did they not include? Like they totally could have included that in the storyline of like one of them like is off married to some very rich man and like achieved her dreams, which is kind of what I she I think wanted. that's Teal. I think that's the girl who played Louise. But to see one of them... Also, there's no mention of them. I do and don't like the Tristan storyline, but like get the real Chad Michael Murray. That's all the thing is like have it or don't. Exactly. That was one of my biggest gripes. If you're going to include Tristan in that, you need to have the real person who played Tristan. We're not playing around anymore. You can't just like swap people out. Like you did, Mia. We all noticed. <laughs> Don't, Mia. Please do not. Speaking of other characters that I wish we could have seen, Liz and TJ, they were on the other end of a phone call, but we never see them. That's it true. It was sort of sad. That's also a storyline that I felt was a caricature of Stars Hollow, like a character of Gilmore Girls that like Liz and TJ, like the way that they were explaining it, like Liz and TJ tried to buy vegetables, ended up signing a contract for a cult that they're involved in for six million years. Just don't talk about them. I can see it happening. I very much get that vibe from them, but it would have been so much more authentic and less expositional to like see Liz on the other end of a phone call in a cult with vegetables of like, you know, like surrounded mile high. Like, But I just didn't understand why that even needed to be included. Yeah. We didn't need that. We didn't need that. We didn't need Tristan. There were just characters that were yeah. involved and not involved. And I understood what they were trying to do, but it, for me, it just didn't work. And the last character that I wrote down three times. I know you did. I don't know. I can't even see your notes and I know exactly what you're going to say. Dave Rogowski. There was fucking no Dave Rogowski. There was no Dave Rogowski. They could not get Adam Brody for a day. He couldn't pop in. Also, you know what? Someone wrote this in our in our answers to one of our questions. I would believe Lane and Zach splitting up more than I would buy Doyle and Paris splitting up. Oh, for sure. Because I feel like there were storylines that could have been cut in favor for fleshing out the people that we know and love. Because the thing about the series is, yes, of course, Rory and Lorelai are the main characters, but we get lots of scenes with other characters. We got a lot of Lane and Zach in season five and season six. We got a lot of, well, not a lot, but we got some of Paris and Doyle. Like when Paris and Doyle first meet at that like speed dating event, like we get some of that. So the thing about the revival that felt weird is it's like, all A characters. It's all Lorelai, Rory, Emily, and Luke. And that's a story that we're telling, but we have four hour and a half long movies and we don't get any scenes of like the other characters having like their lives happen without Rory and Lorelai. That was the weird part. I do agree with you because we do get separate scenes of those characters throughout the series, but I think because they had less time to do it in, we only really get cut the musical glimpses. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. And we'll get into the musical later. Well, actually, we can talk about that now. (laughs) Cut that and give me a Lane storyline. 
give me like why did we have carol king but carol king wasn't there to talk about lane and her future with music because what i would have loved to have seen is like lane she's now a mother but she's also still a part of hep alien and so we could have used carol king more than just for that dumb musical and put her in lane's storyline where like mrs kim and carol king i guess sophie we should call her are helping lane to realize that she can a be a really good mother and b still rock and roll you know like that would have been a much more that would have been a better storyline for the series that we know and love. Especially considering Amy has made comments about how they felt like Lane's storyline was completely butchered in season seven. In season seven. So yeah. bringing justice to her character felt like it might be a priority for Amy. Yeah. And I was confused as to why she sort of just like fell off to the side. Because like imagine Zach and Lane are co-parenting because they consciously uncoupled a la Chris and Gwen and... Now, Lane is trying to be a mother and dedicate herself to the band because the band didn't break up because they consciously uncoupled. They didn't get, well, they got divorced, but like amicably. And then, you know, midway through uh, summer, who pops up but Dave Rogowski? They're together. (laughs) That's my fan fiction for that. (laughs) Given what they did throughout the revival, I really do think that they could have found a way to bring Dave's character back in. I wonder if that was even a thought, though. I wonder if Amy actually understands how deeply people want the two of them to get back together. Even if we didn't get a storyline about it, you're telling me that like Dave's not just rolling through town, like even mention of Dave. Like, so I think it was an Adam Brody thing. Oh, I'm sure that it was. I'm sure we could dig up some dirt on that. Let's call Adam Brody. (laughs) But all in all, I think that they gave us characters that we didn't necessarily need to see and didn't include characters that I actually would have rather seen. And I'm sure that a lot of that was based on availability. Speaking to characters that we saw but didn't necessarily need to see, I'm going to do a little switch here. I think that instead of seeing who Mr. Kim was, that whole, like the whole idea of Mr. Kim is already so inconsistent of like, a lot of people thought he was dead because he like kind of starts stops getting mentioned because Lane always refers to our parents, but we see Mr. Kim for just a brief moment when he waves. No explanation. Switch that out. And the real character that we don't meet that we should have seen was Kirk's mom. Yes. Right? Kirk's mom, first of all, doesn't she have like a voice on the other end of a phone call at one point? Yes. It's when it's during Haunted Leg when... When Kirk asks Lorelai out and he calls and leaves her a voicemail on her answering machine at home and his mom picks up while he's leaving the voicemail and she's like, hello. So we have a voice for this character. And like she is way more consistently involved in the storyline. than She's also mentioned in the revival when he's doing the Uber thing and he's like, hey, make sure you call my mom for a review. And it would have made so sense like when he takes Paris and Rory on Uber to Lane's house that she's like sitting there with him, that she's sitting at the diner, that like there was some way to do that same Mr. Kim moment, but be like, oh, Mrs. Gleason. You know, I hear that. I don't completely agree because I actually like the mystery. I feel like it was more, more so in the sense of like the earned cameo was not Mr. Kim. Okay. If we earned a cameo that of a character we hadn't seen, it was Kirk's mom. I fully hear that. I was also okay not meeting Mr. Kim, but I did think it was like a cheeky nod to the fandom being like, hey, so where is Mr. Kim? (laughs) I love that they were just like, all right, you know what? We're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny. But like you said, 
not entirely necessary. I know that we've talked about a lot of things that we wish were different. What are some of the things that you really liked about the revival? So we we asked this on our Instagram story and the first answer, this isn't my answer, but this was one of the ones that made me cackle because not only one person said this, the only answer that I gave, like, what was your favorite part of the revival? These people said it ended. <laughs> I was like oh some people just really didn't like it like I didn't I didn't feel like that intensely about it but of course my favorite scene was a life and death brigade montage it's good fall it's good very adventurous very very on brand for who they were yeah and that was a lot of a lot of people said that same answer just because it just felt so like it gave like the same vibe that you jump I jump jack had where it's like it's just like this grand moment like the choreography was fun them running through the town like this like a lot of people thought it was maybe a dream a lot of people asked that question I don't think it was a dream I think it really happened that's when she got pregnant that's totally when she got pregnant I did the math on the last episode this is when it happens I have to say I will always ask this question why was Robert there Why was Robert there? I, when he, when there was three of them, I was like, well, one of them's Logan. And then he pulled off his mask and I was like, what are you doing here? We have not seen you you in so long. Who invited you? I knew when he, cause he like, they say like Robert Grimaldi. That was the one of the moments that I thought they were going to do. Like when they get to that little tango bar and they knock on the door, I thought at some point they were either going to be like Robert was going to have a reservation or something along those lines and we were going to learn Robert's last name. Yeah, finally. I guess maybe that was just like such a subtle nod that like what is his last name that it wasn't really important but I just felt like in that moment we were going to learn that. But I know a lot of people said they didn't like that part. The Life and Death Brigade montage? Wow, no, I thought that was so exciting. I really loved it. I thought it was way better than the use of the musical. That's what I was going to say, too. I wish that they had done like that could have sufficed as far as a musical. A musical moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because it had like this like interesting choreography as they're running the town. He gives her the hat. One of my favorite moments in the whole revival is that unspoken moment between the two of them when he shows up and he's standing there and he's like, we had a meeting and we decided to come do this for you is what it's basically what he's saying he's handing her the I guess the dress or whatever it is that she's gonna wear and the hat and it's almost like this moment of like Logan's a very confident person he's always been very confident with her but it it kind of breaks he silently asks her is this okay is it okay that I'm here can we do this like can we have what he probably realizes is one last night together and in that moment they have that really just like that quiet exchange of yeah we're gonna do this one last time let's let's have this and I think that that moment is my favorite moment in the entire revival up against when they end things I I love it I think it's so well done the whole scene is very captivating and fall for me is the best of the four it's just so good it's very very well done we get shirtless Logan which a lot of people said was their favorite oh I know Also, which you know a lot about, another favorite, is Jess coming back. Love that Jess was there. I, I of course, was giddy. I wish we had seen more (laughs) of him. I remember getting to the summer episode and going, okay, where is he? It was much like me watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel this season and going, okay, (laughs) where is he? I thought the use of his character was great. Like you said, he's still a guide character. He's a guiding light in her life. Yeah. I, of course, my sweet little teenage heart that was still beating in my 2016 body was like, I would love for the two of them to end up together. Of course, that's what I wanted. 
But I was okay with them just having this really sweet, really genuine connection that still lives on as some sort of weird friendship yeah where he guides her when she needs it and might be carrying still a small torch for her given that look through the window but I was really really happy with all of their scenes but I mostly love the scene between him and Luke that's my favorite part about Jess returning is him kind of being a guiding force for Luke I feel like of like we were talking about before of like it feels like a lot of these people were frozen in time Everyone except for Jess Mariano. That's how it always goes, though. He is always the person who's just constantly growing, evolving, changing, and still, but you know what? Constantly hot. Yeah. Never gets not hot. Which... Never cools off. (laughs) Burnt to a crisp, that man. Tell me about it. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tacovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know <laughs> you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tacovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tacovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you out. Fitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tacovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tacovis.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovis has said that they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tacovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G I L M O R E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast. So they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. What I'm going to say is about to probably be a little controversial. I have a lot of controversial things to say today as Great. well. <laughs> I actually like that we drop in on Rory during a time when she's flailing. I think so too. Like people were so disappointed in her storyline. And to be honest with you, I was and I wasn't. There were aspects of her storyline that I was not happy about. Logan. But <laughs> I yeah. thought that it was really cool to walk in on her without all of this success because she's coming off of some semblance of success i don't think the way that she handled it is what i like i'm i'm in the same place as you where i liked that rory was going through this moment of strife transition conflict she's about to pivot i loved the pivot i don't like how they presented it because of what they allow Rory to ignore in all of this yeah I hated the Paul storyline 
hated it the made no sense line. it needed to go i don't know why that was another character that we did not need no and i know that what they were saying with it is like rory was in this place where she was just kind of between all of these things that we had um what is his name i don't I, paul <laughs> how did i forget what his name was already? <laughs> because i think you're meant to <laughs> I yeah. think that is the it's point. It's just like there's someone in your life that like you're dating them and it's like you're kind of settling. It's like everyone's kind of like, why are you with this person? But the way that they went about it was just so weird. It just didn't make a lot it of sense. It was really icky. And I think they were trying to be funny because there were moments where like he would walk out of a room and Luke would go, I just forgot the entire conversation. And I understand what That's they were trying funny. to do, yeah. but it just came across as mean. And people Too already far. have such like a bad taste in their mouth over Rory and some of her behavior from yeah. the original series that that just added insult to injury yeah and then on top of it she's having this affair with logan and i hate that yeah. i'm about to say this but i think i would have been more okay with a storyline where they reunited and like things just sort of happened and i hate to say that because i guess it's a little bit of what happened with her and dean there was a lot of build-up with her and dean can i tell you what my alternate approach to this that I wish they would have taken where it would have had the same outcome but in a way that I feel like it would have addressed the things that were going on in her life better yes please do okay so here we have Rory in this moment of like you know she's 32 years old she is not really succeeding at being a journalist she's kind of stuck in her love life because she's with this guy that she doesn't really like it seems even though she she's been with him for like what two years and then she has Logan who she met oh, I forget what the city is that they met because she was wearing her lucky dress when he saw her and now she's having this affair and she's very clearly in this moment of like transition and not knowing what's going on with her life and kind of failing at what she thought she was going to be doing for the rest of her life when she decided when she was 16 and I know that that is a lot of people liked that because a lot of people get to that place in their life where they can't quite make the mark on what they want to do they can't get there and it's really frustrating but then they have to pivot into something else yeah doors keep getting slammed in her face that's essentially what all of spring is spring is just filled to the brim with doors being slammed in Rory's face, which is why at the end of spring, she says, I'm moving home. That's the next step. But what's so frustrating about that is the way that they go about it. It's like this online magazine that it's a couple steps down, as Logan says from GQ, but it's on the up and up and they really want Rory. And Rory shows up to this meeting, no ideas. She spent the entire episode trying to find her dress and not thinking about anything to bring of substance like she didn't look at this as an opportunity for herself to grow sandy says really really wanted her and she was like no i want this meeting with Condé nast they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and the person that helped her get the fucking meeting ended up being mitchum huntsberger like she had this opportunity of something to grow for herself and like mitchum huntsberger in season five was the one that taught her that like doesn't matter how you got the opportunity all that matters is that it's like staring you in the face and so just the way that they handled that felt so it begged the question of why is she failing it seems like the biggest obstacle to her not succeeding how she wanted to is herself absolutely that's kind of a trend that we see at the end of season seven as well she she doesn't take the job in providence because she's holding out for for the fellowship at the new york times and fellowship and look that that's okay like it's okay to to root for yourself and say no i think i could get this there's just this arrogance that accompanies rory when it comes to her accomplishments that I think it speaks to what you were just saying about her standing in her own way. 
Yeah. And I think that there was, because I know that like kind of what she was saying, like Amy seems to hate millennials based on like the 30 something gang and like the way she approached that, that I feel like there was a much better way to go about this idea of changing your mind based on what you want to do. And it also involves Jess. So stay with me. Where I think that she graduated from Yale. She was the editor of the Yale Daily News. That's not nothing. That like means something in the world of journalism to like take that position and then go on and work. I think that when we met Rory when she was 32 in this, I think we should have seen Rory succeeding at being a journalist. I think regardless of what that success looked like, I think that we should have had her in a place in her life where she was like, this is what I wanted to do when I was 16. And I think that the kicker of this would have been that she didn't really like it. It wasn't what she thought it was going to be because there's a poet that I really love. Her name's Cleo Wade. I love Cleo Wade. Yeah, she talks about the difference between womanhood dreams and girlhood dreams. And I feel like this would have been a perfect moment to like give a lot of people permission in that this is kind of what she has to say is like your womanhood dreams do not need to be indulged by the girlhood dreams that you had, that you don't need to be beholden to what you said when you were 16. Because that's basically the plot of Rory's storyline is that when she was 16, she said she was going to be a journalist. And now when she's 32, that's what she's doing. But at no point do we ever see Rory really take the time to reassess that she made life choices for herself far before she had lived her life in any real way. So I think that we could have had this moment of Rory succeeding, not really finding it to be everything that she thought it was going to be and making that choice to find something new for herself and embrace, again, finding her womanhood dreams and giving up her girlhood dreams, regardless of the fact that she had told everyone in her life. And because what we were talking about with Jess being there, I think one of my least favorite parts of the revival is that Rory's motivator to change and to make a different choice was a boy. That she didn't have like the intrinsic motivation to like do something else and it didn't come from herself. That I think that the better use of Jess and ultimately the better, I guess the better way for Jess to come across in the revival would have been to be like for him to kind of confront this idea in her and be like, Rory, you decided when you were fucking 16 years old that you wanted to do this and now you're doing it. You don't like it. Change your mind. You're an adult. You can change your mind at any point in your life and start something new. Who do you think I am? Do you think I'm still the person making the same decisions, like living off of the decisions I made when I was 16? And I feel like that would have really addressed how much Jess has grown. And then from there, I think she could have come up with the book on her own and come up with that life change and I don't really know how Logan fits into that like I I agree I think I would have loved to have seen them reconnect and something you know I know that I just said that I like that we're dropping in on her during sort of a messy time in her life but we drop in right in the middle we're not dropping it at the start we're not dropping it at the start of her like having that heightened success and then sort of coming off of it and perhaps making the choice I actually really love that idea I think that that's incredibly clever and way more in line with I think what people were hoping to have from Rory is that if she ever decided not to go into journalism it would have been a choice not her being forced out of something Because then the idea of like that we get all of summer when she's like, I'm not back. I think that that was really cheap and that the more like authentic way to have done that have been like, didn't you want to be a journalist? What are you doing now? Like you're changing because that's a question that like people who like make that switch in their lives. They're like, wait, weren't you doing something else before? And I think that that's kind of like there was like a much more authentic way because I think that the overarching thing that they don't address in the revival is how fucking rich she is. 
Rory has so much money like she's attached to so much wealth and has so much privilege that like to give her this idea of like she's broke she can't buy underwear just felt so like come on like Rory has so many connections she would have been successful in some way yeah to speak to your point earlier about people getting asked the question a lot about like weren't you doing this that is why I love that concept so much that you just brought up like the entire trajectory of what you would have rather seen from her yeah because that's also a generational thing from point a to point b of this timeline we're on in the year 2000 we were still sort of under i mean we had come a long way but like we were still under this impression that like we make a decision about what we want to do when we're 16 17 18 years old we go to college we fulfill that expectation we get a degree we go into the line of work for which we got our degree in and we stay doing that until we retire at the age of 65 and then like you know whatever happens next happens next yeah we're not really that way anymore especially from our generation and I know you spoke to Amy like not loving millennials but the millennial generation has sort of cracked the glass ceiling on that and the generations below us are also continuing to do so as well you can decide that you want to be something completely different when you're 32 years old and I wish they had leaned into that more because that is a yeah like a generational gap that is starting to be filled as we continue to move forward in time and a very different mindset than the year 2000 when we started watching this show. Because I really love the idea of like looking to the sky of really dreaming big. And then once you get there, you're like, oh, I didn't want to be here at all. So you have to walk all the way back down. Like in my own life, that's exactly what happened. I call it dream adjacent because like you get to like the field that you want to work in, you study it in school and you get there and you see the potential of like the height of which you could be at in your field. And you're like, no, I, whoops, I made a mistake for the last seven years. (laughs) I put all this time and work into this thing that I absolutely do not want to do for the rest of my life so I'm going to stop doing this and I think that I would have loved to have seen like an authentic take on that like the only thing that I got from this is she didn't like millennials like the 30 something gang who were they did they used to go to school did they go to stars hollow high who are these guys I think though that it was more a commentary on how a lot of millennials are having to move back in with their parents because they're reaching a point of like Like Babette sort of says, she's like, they went out into the world and the world spit them back out. And like, that's fine. But I didn't really understand what kind of commentary she was making on it. Are you saying that it's just becoming more common because of the economy, because of student loans, because of, you know, just like lack of direction? Or are you like making a It just feels like like avocado toast thing, you know, like millennials will never own houses because they love avocado toast. They're going to spend all their money. Like it just, it felt like that sort of commentary that like, this is your audience. These are the people that you're talking to now. And like, yeah, give them some sort of liberation to know that they can walk away from a job they once dreamt of having. I I really do like that, Haley. I think that's great. And it's not going to be that their ex-boyfriend is the one that gives them the idea. And like, that's one of the problems that we've talked about off pod that I have with Rory is she's not, she doesn't have a lot of internal motivation. Most of her like ideas come from other people. I guess it's more so Jess. Jess yelled at her to go back to Yale. Jess kissed her and she ended up realizing she liked Logan. Jess told her to write a book. Yeah, there's a lot of direction and guidance from men. Obviously a lot of direction from her mom, but her mom was yelling at her. Yeah those things before Jess did and she wasn't listening to her so yeah Yeah. that is a little disappointing you're right I just wish there would have been like Jess could have been the one to tell her of like you don't have to do that you can change your mind I did 
I'm not that. I decided to be someone else and look at me now. I'm hot as fuck and really doing And my well. arms are huge. <laughs> my arms are huge. Would you like a hug? <laughs> but I think that what you just said, what I just said, every every thought, feeling, emotion we have on Rory's storyline is yeah. kind of the overall feeling of the revival. So many of the things that we like also then evolve into things we don't like, but then subsequently continue to evolve into things we could like, you know? And yeah. I have so many of those. Yeah, and it's it's hard to really like comb through them all because this is a lot of content. A lot of yeah. people were talking in our comments in the answers to our prompts about how they wish that we had gotten more from the revival. We actually yeah. got a lot of content. It's just that they may not have filled it with the content that we A, wanted to see or B, needed to see. Re, the musical. Uh, Let's talk about the musical. We've been talking about talking about the musical. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Of course. <laughs> That's what we're here to do, Tara. Why did I ask you that like that? No, but I loved it. It was cute. <laughs> May I ask a question? Yes, ma'am. I found it really strange that Miss Patty was not more involved in the musical. Yeah. Did you notice that? I was so confused. She was on Broadway at one point, as Rory says in the pilot. Like, she is the dance teacher of Stars Hollow. Where was she when this was being choreographed? Maybe it was a timing issue with Liz Torres. Because she really wasn't in it that much. Yeah. And I was, why was she not in the revival? Why was she not choreographing? Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. She choreographs, she choreographs dancers for Liz and TJ's wedding, for Lorelai and Max's engagement party. Where was she? It was, it was a letdown. Other than that, like, what a way to misuse Carol King being in the show. Like, I feel like there was so many And you know, Carol King is my queen. Carol King is my... Carol Carol queen. queen. And... I, I did think it was funny that she played I Feel the Earth Move. I loved that. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, uh. <laughs> yeah, that was, I liked that bit. That was good. That was funny. But um, also, can I, can I say to that point, why did she not play the theme song? <gasps> like, I feel like the better joke would have been to be where you lead. I will, and then they're like, no. And it's like this weird, like almost breaking the fourth wall. But they're like, yeah, we don't like that song. <laughs> <laughs> I did not even think about that. Wow, that was a really, really missed when she got up to play the piano, literally, because they didn't have it. That was another like big disappointment that a lot of people had. Is like Amy said that there was no real authentic way to put the theme song in because there was no commercial break. It wasn't like we do the little cold open teaser, totally. get that cut to a commercial, come back. Instead, they cut to the season title. Fall ends and they play the theme song. But I feel like there was a way to start it because I do like that we didn't know who was going to be in each episode yeah. before it started, that we got it at the end. Yeah. But I just, I feel like there was a way to have just fucking played the same one, you know? But that idea to have Carol King play Where You Lead instead of I Feel the Earth Move, so brilliant. Very big missed opportunity. Why did they not? Yeah. But I get, like, you know, Sutton Foster, Bunheads, Christian Broil. Christian Broil used to be married to Sutton Foster, fun facts yeah. for those of you who did not know. And if you want to know why they got divorced, Google it because I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast. But just overall, the musical itself, not very interesting, not very funny. Like I watched it right before this and I just remember the whole time I watched it, I was like, nothing to write home about. No, nothing it wasn't f- It wasn't funny enough. It was like right in the middle. It just missed the mark. Like either take it seriously or or make it very funny. And Christian Borle and Sutton Foster are two incredibly talented people and they were really good. Can we also go back to therapy for a second? Carrie Butler. Carrie Butler. 
Broadway baby. I hated that therapy ended up being a joke because Carrie Butler ended up seeming crazy, but Carrie Butler is like a Broadway actress. And so when she auditions for the musical, I was like, did you just have her so she could audition for the musical because she can sing really well? That part to me, I was like, it was just really cute though that she was like, can you put in a good word for me? Meanwhile, Carrie Butler, Sutton Foster, Christian Borle, like these are Broadway actors. Like they're Broadway Broadway babies. And... And meanwhile, Carrie Butler is like begging Lauren Graham, who played Adelaide on Broadway in 2009 at the Nederlander Theater once. She's Miss Patty. She was on Broadway once. And she's begging her, Lauren, get me in the room with Taylor Dozie. Yeah. (laughs) I love Amy's love for theater, musical theater, Broadway. She incorporates a lot of it into Maisel as well. We've talked about this before off pod maybe, where if you listen to the ATX reunion with like there's um like a whole panel but then there's just a segment of just talking to Amy she talks about she was writing a musical at the time like a revival script for something when they did this I guess it was in 2014 or 15 so I think that in some way because like we haven't seen anything from her it's 2022 so I don't really know what happened to that project but I think that maybe in her writing this that maybe she was in that mindset of like writing a musical or something so that it kind of transitioned into like putting one in Gilmore Girls and like I know she has like a strong musical theater background with her parents and but I just it missed the mark entirely I think it was intended to be bad it was for sure it was supposed to be bad but it missed the mark on being bad in a fun way for sure it was just bad there were a lot of points in this revival that felt like they missed the mark that was a big one and it went on for far too long you could have had a whole entire character storyline for a character that we cared about more and here's the thing we keep talking about Amy but Dan wrote this episode Yeah, but there's like, you know, I know it's Amy's show, but I would say winter and fall are much stronger than spring and summer to me and spring and summer were written by Dan. Sorry, Dan, if you ever listen to this. Tara says this a lot lot off pod that like she doesn't like the Dan episodes of at least the revival. Of the revival. Yeah. As far as uh, actual series, there are a lot of episodes that he has done that I adore. Jump by, jump jack. But... For this, yeah, off pot, I've talked a lot about this. I will say watching Spring again this time around, I appreciated it a lot more than I have in the past. Like I said, it's one that I watch the least out of all four of them. And I I liked it a lot more this time around. And the summer one is fun. There are fun moments, but I just feel like story-wise, winter and fall so much yeah, better stronger. and it's hard because like you know we we get in and we get the lead in which we're excited about and then we get leave on fall and we're getting like the closure quote unquote that we may or may not have gotten on it mm-hmm. so I feel like those were like set up to be like stronger episodes but yeah it kind of fell off in the middle and whoever's fault that was uh sorry if you ever come on we'll apologize to your face <laughs> I'm curious to know what other things people were saying in our DMs about the revival that we haven't talked about. I think we've actually covered almost everything that people, you know, we got Jess was hot, Logan was shirtless, people loved Life and Death Brigade, people loved how they incorporated Edward Herman and Richard and his legacy. Yeah. People just liked coming back home. Everyone hated that there was no Dave. Everybody loves Petal the Pig. I love Petal the Pig. I think a dog would have been boring for Kirk. It was just so perfect that he had a pig. Yeah. The one thing that I feel like, like kind of like the last thing that I'm really loved, like 
I just remember watching this scene and just feeling so many emotions that on the other side of it, I really don't like it. And I can feel like I can explain why. And I'm actually interested to know what you think about this as well, because we, someone who we like really haven't talked that much about, because I feel like it always happens to us that we always end up centering around Rory, because we haven't really talked about Lorelai much in the revival, that when she goes to, on her like wild journey, which to be honest, I didn't really understand why she was doing that to begin with. Like there was no real like impetus for it. I think wild was really popular at the time that this came out. So like I did like like the funny like a book or movie, even that Jess was very like they're very different. Like I loved that. It felt like weird and I wasn't really sure about it. But when she makes that phone call to Emily with her Richard memory of what she would have said at the funeral, every time I watch it, I just cry so hard of her telling the story. It's hard not to. I mean, you can feel the emotion behind it. And it's such a powerful full circle moment because it is so hard to watch her in that flashback in winter. Every time I watch it, I'm like, you couldn't have thought of one thing to say. One thing. And she was drunk. Yeah, but also like you couldn't have gone to the bathroom. You couldn't have been like, yeah, that one time dad brought me the dollhouse, like anything. I hate that fight between Emily and Lorelai in winter, but I understand why Emily is so upset. It feels really authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It was so hard to watch. It makes sense to me that Lorelai's response to grief is to not be able to sit in the goodness because that was always really hard for her when he was alive. So and like to that, almost that make it seem a little humorous because yeah. I don't necessarily think that she was trying to turn it into a bad moment. I think she was like yeah. clearly very nervous, clearly very drunk, told this story, maybe expecting that it would be a little bit of a punchline and it just wasn't. It was yeah. just bad and and really uncomfortable and I felt for Emily in that moment who I know a lot of people spoke to this in our DMs as well, has probably the best character arc of the revival. The best storyline. I will say, I think that this could lead in, because I want to talk about Emily's, but I think that the problem that I had with this is... Not like the problem, but I feel like the way that they did this, like as much as I love it, as much as it gets to me, I feel like it was the cheap moment. I feel like there was, again, I have like, I've thought about this a lot of like what I wish would have happened. The same that I did with Rory's storyline was that the moment here has already passed. The moment was the gathering after the funeral for her to say that. And I think like to have Lorelai's character recognize that the moment to have that story and have the presence of mind to tell that to her mom, it's gone. And I think that that would have been really important for her character to recognize that one of the reasons that Emily was so upset, which she said, and she said, what are you going to say at my funeral? So I think that in that moment, the like Gilmore girls of it, like it's about Gilmore girls. It's about Rory and Lorelai, but it's also about Lorelai and Emily. It's about these mother-daughter relationships that I think that what she should have done is she should have called Emily and told a story between herself and Emily of something really beautiful that happened of this like same sort of idea that like it was a small moment but it meant the world to her and like confirm for her like like this is what I'll say at your funeral like I think that to have that moment to step back that she missed the moment that she's always going to mourn for her father but the real moment that she needs to address now with her mom is when it comes to your funeral, I'm not going to make the same mistake that I made then. I'm going to say something nice and I don't think it's worth it to just tell you I'm going to say something nice. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say right now in, in this moment and make it right with you because dad's gone and that's been your whole story arc is realizing that you're without your partner now and I'm without my dad, but you're here now and when you're gone, it's going to mean something bigger to me than either of us recognize and telling the story that she would have said to Emily. 
I think that that's, that would have been significantly more meaningful. I do wonder though, if that would have then left the audience wondering if Lorelai could say anything positive about her dad. So I wonder if maybe in the fight in the kitchen, she maybe like tries to say nice things and Emily is like, no, you missed your moment get out and then had that moment I think would have been very powerful a really beautiful full circle moment I think that that's what the that's what the fight is ultimately about is like you said this about your dad when he died like now I'm worried about how I'm going to be remembered by you because I don't think I think that Lorelai would recognize the impact of her dad dying is like a big thing but I think that Emily dying in Lorelai's life is going to destroy her in a way that she hasn't quite realized we'll never see it because the story's over but I think that was the Gilmore Girls moment to have between the two I of them. agree and I think there are a lot of ways in which they neatly wrapped up Emily and Lorelai's relationship at the end of this yeah iteration of their story because like you said like we've spoken to a lot on this podcast like that is the story it's about the women it's about the mother-daughter relationships and I think that can get lost sometimes when we sort of deviate off and we talk about the boyfriends and we talk about the other relationships on this show but at the heart of it all Emily and Lorelai's relationship is just as important as Lorelai's relationship with Rory and I found that Emily's entire story arc hinges upon Lorelai's relationship with her so that would have been really powerful to see and I think it would have helped the story because I felt like one of the problems with like the revival as a whole was it kept like lingering you know like there wasn't a lot of like forward movement in a lot of the stories like it was kind of like transition-y and people trying to figure out what was going to happen next that I feel like her taking this step forward with Emily into this would have helped push the story forward in some ways at least in my opinion but because I think that Emily's storyline like in our Q&A from Instagram that was what everyone everyone said was one of the best parts is like you can take apart Lorelai's storyline and the marriage that she didn't have and Rory and the mess that was her life but I feel like the way they handled Emily which whether that was by circumstance or by whether they would have chosen this to be the path because of the circumstances of Edward Herman dying but I just think the way that they handled her was just the best. Like the Marie Kondo of it all, like trying to like control the grief. It was so good. It was so well done. Yeah. And I wish that all three women's storylines had been handled that way. Yeah. Because Emily's was just so good. That was a character that we see change in a way that still fits the narrative of who she is at her core, but also shows growth. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people... Their overall storyline just didn't feel right with the story we wanted to hear. Like, they didn't change enough in that, like we said at the beginning, like, it felt like we paused for 10 years and then pressed play. And the only one that didn't really feel like that was Emily. Alternative to that was the only other one that I would say that didn't feel like that was Michelle. Yes. Where we finally get confirmation that he is gay and now he has a husband. Like, we were flirting with this for seven seasons about is Michelle seeing anyone? Is he gay? Is he straight? And I feel like- I'm glad they finally addressed it on the show. When my boyfriend watched this, this first episode, he was texting me in real time, which was my favorite part of it all. And he said, (laughs) ooh, this guy, Michelle, how long before we discover that he likes boys? And I said, 16 years. Yeah, a long time. They just never said anything about it. So I'm glad that like, they were like, what is his name? Frederick? And they're trying to get kids. Or what is the thing he says? Um, Make Make them. them. He says, that's how you say that, right? Make them. She says, or have them. Adopt them. (laughs) I just, I love his storyline as well, because you can tell that he's essentially the character that's yelling at everybody going like, why are we not moving with the times? Why are we all frozen in time here in this town, essentially? 
He's saying it without saying it. He's like, why don't yeah. we have this? Why don't we have that? What I love about the dragonfly in is that it has a lot of charm and it, yeah. it brings you back to a simple place. It doesn't need all the bells and whistles, but Lorelai is so reluctant to move with the times. And of course, she's fighting with the fact that she doesn't have the space to accompany a spa and all of those things. And we see that she yeah. acquires some some type of space to, to make all of those things happen. But I love that Michelle is the driving force to that because he is like, guys, let's go. Like, let's move with the times. We can't yeah. stay here forever. Maybe not like we can't stay in Stars Hollow forever, but like things have to change. And it's ultimately like that desire to change where I think we get like two of the best parallels in the series in the fall episode of the revival because we get Lorelai going to Emily and asking for money, which this is kind of when this is the first time she's seen her since the phone call, is it not? Mm-hmm. And so as a way to kind of again like she's fixing her relationship in some way by going to her and like asking for money and we get the so you need money we get that same exact parallel dialogue in that moment but the even better one which we did not talk about in our parallels episode a lot of people said that we forgot it and we did not we were just waiting to talk about it in this episode which is reflecting light gets me every time because the song that Lorelai is dancing to at Liz and TJ's wedding reflecting light by Sim that song is the same song that they're dancing to when they're having their midnight wedding I love it it's so perfect also a song that I affiliate only with Gilmore Girls and just like brings you that nostalgia makes you feel like you're being wrapped up in a warm hug Ugh. so after reflecting light we here we are you know we assume the wedding's gonna happen later but then we arrive here at the last four words which if you want to know our thoughts on the last four words just listen to last week's episode we talked for 47 minutes about (laughs) four words on this tv show um that's not surprising between the two of us not at all but on our patreon we're watching the pilot and i got to the end of the pilot and i had this thought about what the ending could have been it would have required that the rest of the arrival be different but at the end of it when they're zooming out which is the end of season seven ending where they're zooming out at luke steiner and lorelei says to worry so tell me about the guy because they've kind of solved all of their conflicts of things that are going on and she wants to hear about dean and i think that maybe a fun way to have ended the revival would have been to either have Rory or Lorelai have a boy, baby boy, or, you know, be pregnant with a boy to some degree and to one of them talk to the other one who has had the baby and say, so tell me about the guy, like, tell me about the boy. And, you know, we've spent so long talking about their boyfriends and their love interests and all the conflict there that now the boy that they get to talk about is their baby. And I think that that would have been like a same but different, like a cute little moment of like, so tell me about the guy. A like, really beautiful full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah, because I will say, we haven't completely touched on this, but the way season seven ended for as much as we have our gripes with it, that pan out of them at the diner, that was really special. I love that. It was that. really good. Yeah. And if we were able to sort of meld the two of them together and have those full circle moments, yeah, I would love that. I think that's a brilliant ending. So tell me about the guy. And it's just like a little, little baby boy. I just, I die. <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic. So uh, we're going to select all delete and we're going to rewrite this from beginning to end. <laughs> well, people were also asking about about that in our DMs, like how we would how we would have done it differently. That's a whole other episode. We just have to have a fan fiction episode. Because I, I do actually have a series on TikTok of me talking about how I wish season seven and then the revival would have gone. There's some things that I want to change from it now, but 
I will just have to have a fan fiction episode where we go through everything that we want to happen because we spoke to a lot on this of things how we kind of wish things would and happen. also in last week's episode about the final four words and how we wished yeah that they could have gone differently or things that we liked and didn't like about what they left and to that end i think a lot of people feel really strongly in one direction or the other about whether or not there should be a continuation of this revival yeah i say no i say no as well would i watch the fuck out of it 1000 oh same if they choose to do it great do I think we need it? No, yeah. because I think the story's over. I think this iteration of the story is over. Clearly, they left space for there to be a second revival. But for sure, what I was saying before about dropping it on Rory's life at this time, that's kind of the way life works, right? Mm-hmm. We drop it on chapters or we have chapters ourselves where they're seasons of our lives, which is what I loved most about the way that they yeah. framed this entire revival is that it's seasons. But the seasons of our lives are constantly evolving and not everybody is there for each chapter, for each season. As an audience, we do not need to be there for every chapter and every season of this show. We don't. That is part of why I don't think that we need more. The story has been told. If there's ever more story to tell, I think that we we should get that. But to create something just for the purpose of fans being able to bask in that again, I think that's kind of where there was a little bit of a misstep on the revival is, was the story actually ready? Or were we really doing it so that fans could come home? I agree. I think to tell more of this story would honestly just leave people feeling the same sort of way that this revival left left a lot of people feeling unresolved. I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, they're gearing for a second revival because the Gilmore Girls Instagram is suddenly active again. But it's like, that's absolutely not the case. (laughs) I don't think that's the case either, but... You never know. And listen, again, if they choose to do it, they choose to do it. But I don't necessarily think that it would lend anything to the story to continue on. Would it be fun? Sure. Would I like to see Rory as a mom? I actually don't know the answer to that. I don't either. The thing is, is like there's so many parts of the revival that I feel like we haven't even dove into. Like we haven't even like really touched on the fact of like the Logan and Rory storyline of like... No. And we can save that for an episode where we really dive into their relationship. Yes, we totally want to do a Logan and Rory episode we haven't even really talked about one of my favorite characters just Paris like Paris's storyline in this is like in the revival in in the entire series it's amazing yeah and I think that that was a lot of people's gripe with the finale of not just season seven but also the revival in feeling like Rory was not necessarily on the path that we all thought she would be on when we met her in season one yeah and to be honest with you I feel like they kind of gave that storyline both in the the original series and in the revival to Paris. Yeah, they totally did. Paris just felt like she, like all of her dreams came true and then some. Yeah, she just as a character is, a, is very exciting to me. Yeah, and I think that we'll have more to say on her in the next episode. Follow us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast and make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on now as we will have a new episode out every Tuesday because we always have more to say. And if you have more to say, find us on Patreon where you can support the pod, join our Gilmore Obsessed community, and access bonus episodes every month. Do I want to see uh, Logan again? Yeah. yeah do I, I want to see Jess and his arms? Yeah. Only if he has his yeah, arms, though. Only if the shirts are short. <laughs> <laughs> Tank tops. Short sleeves only. Make him go to the pool. Yeah. Like in summer episode, why was Jess not by the pool? Don't know. We would have loved that. Sure. Jess in the pool. Uh, Jess, shirtless, wet in the pool. 